Thank you for joining us today for Wandering in the Word, where we read and discuss the upcoming week's lectionary texts at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. This is Wandering in the Word for Sunday, May 1st. Thanks for joining us. And youth-led Sunday. We have uh, maybe a a unique kind of sermon this weekend. We'll see. We will see it. (laughs) It's only time will tell. Surprise. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we got two good stories uh, that we're going to hear in worship, but we're just going to read one of them today because they are kind of long. Mm -hmm. So... um, We'll we'll start off with our Acts reading. Melissa, do you want to read this one? Sure. Acts 9, verses 1 through 20. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Dnep. Oh my goodness, at Damascus, (laughs) so that he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he was praying, and he had seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled from the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. All right. Here we go, like one of the most zealous persecutors of the church. This guy who is breathing threats and murder against the early church. That was an intense dude. Hardcore. He has like a complete 180 in this story. So, yeah, what I mean, in Lutheran circles, we don't often talk much about conversion stories. (laughs) Right. um, Because we tend to be from 
I don't know about tend to. It's just kind of our, who we are. We, you know, so many of us have just, it's what we've always known. We were born in the church and raised in the church. And, um, but this was definitely a, a, what you could call it, come to Jesus moment, I yeah. guess, for Saul. Jesus come to you moment. Jesus yeah. comes to him moment. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, Saul is, I, I believe, was around for the stoning of Stephen earlier mm-hmm. in uh, like chapter four or five of Acts. Um, you know, so he he really thought he was doing the right thing for yeah. so long of his life. You know, and he in his letters and things, he often writes about how ze- how zealous he was for um, you know the for Judaism and following all of the rules, and has been raised the right way and has the pedigree to um, be able to be a, you know, a high standing um, high priest in the uh, in the synagogues and. And yet here he is, he run, has an encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. Um, it is, it is so unexpected because he probably was a cradle uh, Jewish person. Yeah. He knew all the stuff and he followed the tradition and the laws. And like, we would admire that mm-hmm. in, in our tradition. And I think he was greatly admired and he was so sure of himself yes. and, until this. And then it was like, yeah, like that 180 moment that can maybe only come with divine intervention. Yeah. We get so yeah. stuck in our ways and we're so convinced that we're right. Um, that like what would someone's, would some pastor's nice sermon or something <laughs> ever cause something like that to happen in your life? Maybe. <laughs> Nobody's been struck blind by my sermon, but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, and I think it's kind of cool. I, I think Pastor Brandy, you had mentioned this earlier when we were talking about like that it it's it is Jesus that shows up on the road, but God uses like a community, another person mm-hmm. to kind of help help with this conversion. Ananias, mm-hmm. this guy who's minding his own business, yeah. uh, and you know, has a, a vision, a message that he's got to help this murderer guy who's out mm-hmm. hunting all of the Christians. You're gonna help him. He's like, God, I'm not really sure about that. Right. Like, I know too much. He's like, I do you, right, are you talking about the same guy I'm talking about here, God? Like, this guy's crazy. Like, he's gonna arrest us, and uh, you want us to help him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was certainly some risk involved for yeah. Ananias' own well being, and then also maybe a motivation problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, why? Well, and I think that's a valuable point because as you say, I mean, most of us would struggle to relate to Saul turned Paul um, because we don't get this big flashing light and the booming voice from heaven telling us like, you're going the wrong way, go this way. And, and for those of us who don't have that, that big moment to point to, maybe we can relate to Ananias who yeah. is sort of daily following or doing his best to follow, to listen, to learn, to serve the gospel. And, and many more of us, I think, would see ourselves in that role mm-hmm. and maybe facilitating, you know, the spread of the gospel in some way. Yeah. Yeah. This does remind me, I, I was at a, I Zoomed with a book talk with a guy named Eli Sowley, I think is the author's name. And he wrote a book called Rising Out of Hate. Um, it's a story of uh, a white nationalist who uh, kind of grew up. Uh, the guy's name was Derek. He grew up. His dad is the leader of a website called Stormfront, which is a, a white 
it's like the, the biggest kind of white nationalist, white supremacist website out there that kind of spews all kind of far right and racist stuff. Uh, he grew up with this, this kid, Derek. And the, the story is about um, how when he went to college and uh, all the different encounters he had with people standing up to him, um, him learning different things in college about how it countered the things he knew from growing up about, you know, just people of color were just naturally dumber or, you know, by DNA, all these kinds of different things. And, um, and also a group of students who every week invited him to dinner every single week and um, tried to build a relationship with him and try to come and understand where he was coming from and to try to have some kind of honest conversations around this to the point where he had a, a conversion. You know, he, uh, his godfather was David Duke, which is the leader of the KKK as well. And so at some point he then had this conversion experience where he not in one moment, but over the course of, you know, years kind of, uh, converted. He turned away from these, these racist, uh, hateful things and is now an advocate for racial justice and things. Um, but in the story, it talks about all of the relationships he had to leave behind mm. uh, to, to convert. And I wonder about Saul. I mean, you know, he grew up, it's like we were saying, every all of his friends, everybody would have been in the same circle, the same mindset that he was. Mm -hmm. And to leave all of that behind for this new way of living, this following Jesus, the son of God, um, is no small thing. Yeah. Um, uh, the story of him rising out of hate is is very powerful one for our modern times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not as simple as just like, oh, I'm going to change my mind. and Right. It'll be easy. It'll be easy. I'm going to follow Jesus and disavow all the different ways I've lived before. <laughs> and it won't cost me anything. And it won't cost anything. <laughs> or it will yeah. cost you everything. It'll cost you everything, yeah. And for us too, I mean, the... I think when we grow up in the church, sometimes we just assume that we have nothing to change and that everything we're doing is right. Mm -hmm. But no, we, you know, we have that confession every week that tells us, you know, no, we, we, we need to change. We need to have our minds and our hearts and our lives changed um, and be forgiven and um, follow. And as I like the way in, in the beginning of chapter nine here, where it says that uh, if they found any who belonged to the way, um, which was the way of Jesus, you know, um, who was the way, who was the way in the truth. Yeah, exactly. Um, Paul was going to bring them bound back to Jerusalem and arrest them. But, uh, yeah. but I think what you're talking about is, is laid out pretty neatly in verse 16, when Ananias protests a little bit going and kind of helping out this um, Saul villain. God says, I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, it's possible that can sound a little bit like <laughs> retribution or like yeah, God's right. going to give Saul payback for persecuting the church. Um, but the reality is that Saul is encountering and receiving so much grace mm -hmm. in this passage. Yeah. And then as, as we've just talked about, as you illustrated so nicely, um, there is a cost to that, mm -hmm. not because, you know, we have to put in our time and our due to prove ourselves or whatever, to make ourselves worthy of God, but because that's how living life differently from those around us, like that's what happens. Yeah. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. Um, yeah, and I I think I've heard it said once. I don't know, Melissa, if you've heard this with like youth, youth and things. But you know, like youth are oftentimes and young adults, and really ultimately all of us then are like looking for something worth dying for. 
we're like we are all kind of striving for something to give our lives to that we want to be passionate people yeah we want to be a part of something that's important right it's worthwhile um you know and for for christians that kind of boils down to loving god and loving others right um but that loving others is so hard because <laughs> it also means we have to love people like Saul who, right. who are kind of diametrically opposed to the way um, or who, you know, have hateful beliefs. We have to kind of not let them get their way, but like be willing to love them and be in relationship with them so that they can experience the risen Christ in us and through yeah. us. Um, but God, it's so hard. It's <laughs> to, you know, words like mission and purpose. And those are things that as Christians, we, we think about. And I think throughout the book of Acts, we get a lot of opportunities through, through the stories of the early church to think about, you know, yeah. what does that look like in 2022? What does that look like for us mm-hmm. here today? How can we be an Ananias or how can we be <laughs> open enough to when God comes and tells us that we need to change? Yeah. Well, it is unfortunate. There's such a kind of mindset in our, in our American culture, kind of Western culture that, you know, once you believe something, you can never change your mind. Or you're a flip-flopper. You're a flip-flopper. That's like an insult (laughs) for someone to have like a a worldview that allows them to see both sides of things or Mm -hmm. something. And um, it it happens in politics, especially we just get so entrenched on either side that we can't listen to each other Mm -hmm. because the answer is not usually in the extreme of either side of, or any side of a political belief. It's somewhere in the middle. Hence, democracy is kind of the messy middle of sorts, you know. But um, yeah, th- this is a, a it's a powerful story for Paul now, mm-hmm. um, who goes on to write a good chunk of our New Testament. That's right. Yeah. He had quite a quite a career as a, a missionary and a, mm-hmm. a preacher and a teacher and writer mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, and he his kind of zealousness comes out for Christianity too, and some of his writings are a bit hard to swallow. And he comes across as a little abrasive at times. Very abrasive. Um, it would fit in probably well with Martin Luther, or they might actually butt heads. I don't know what they would happen. <laughs> that that'd be an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, that's that's our New Testament. We're not going to read our gospel reading, but it is a cool story of Jesus. I like this one. Um, you know, he he is. Re- it's after the resurrection. The disciples are hanging out. They don't know what to do, so they go fishing. Um, and Jesus shows up and says, "You haven't caught any fish." And they're like, "Nope." And he's like, "Put it on the the other side of the boat." And they pull up the net and they catch 153 big old fish. Um, Peter is fishing naked when he realizes, <laughs> like you do, when uh, he realizes it's Jesus. He then puts his clothes on so he can jump into the water and come come see Jesus, which is weird he has a charcoal fire and fish and bread and they break bread together and um uh gave it to the disciples and um then he talks to to john the disciple that he loves and he asks him this threefold question do you love me he says you know feed tend or feed my lambs tend my sheep and then feed my sheep kind of echoing probably the the threefold times that was was rejected right did i say john i think it's peter that he is having this no john it is john anyways the threefold uh rejection and um and the ultimately the story ends with follow me Jesus. well here you go you summarize 19 verses pretty try to do it very quickly yeah <laughs> um yeah so another story of like 
how do we live as Christians after this resurrection thing? Like, what do we do? Do we just go back and do the normal thing, go fishing? Do we do something else? Jesus here seems to say, you know, go and take care of and feed and tend my sheep, mm-hmm. my people. I was just thinking that like when a lot of these particular disciples were called to be Jesus' disciples initially, and this was probably in the synoptic gospels in Matthew and, and Mark and Luke, but he said, um, oh, you're fishermen, I see. Come and uh, come with me and we'll fish for people. I'll yeah. teach you how to, to be fishers of men. And um, so now they're back to fishing for fish and Jesus switches the metaphor on them and, and says, yeah. well, now, now I want you to be shepherds mm-hmm. and I want you to tend the, the flock yeah. and, um, and feed people and, and all of that. So I just wonder if they're just kind of like, wait, what, how, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that they didn't know how to be that church. Just, no. I mean, the same way we have right. a long tradition that we can look back at and be like, oh, this is how they were the church in this time and place. This is how they were the church in this time and place. They didn't even have that. No. It's like, this is very soon after the resurrection. This is the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this is just all so fresh and new. It's hard to, it's hard to like imagine. It's hard mentally to get into that space where you're like eating freshly caught, cooked yeah. with jesus being like what is my life right now (laughs) what is my life (laughs) i mean in some ways i feel like it's kind of what we've been doing after this pandemic in some ways it's like all right that was a mess (laughs) what do we do now yeah every like everything feels so different and in many ways it is like you know people aren't coming to church as much on sunday morning like there's this live stream stuff there's this podcast that we're doing there's like so much new like how do we what do we do? <laughs> Jesus says you could either just read it as like go and feed and take care of people or follow me or likely those kind of go together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and what does follow me mean for someone who is, I mean, like appears momentarily now and then, but like, isn't physically present for you to like walk behind them yeah. in their footsteps. You can't mimic what they're doing and saying like, He's not there. He has sent the Holy Spirit so that they have not been orphaned. He hasn't left them alone, but like, he's just not there in the same way. Right. So how do you follow then? And how do you learn to trust and depend on the leading of the Holy Spirit? when it's just a very different thing than having Jesus with you physically. physically yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, now we're going to go here. And then you just follow him and you go. That'd be yeah. nice. Yeah. That would be, would be easier. But now we have each other. And it kind of goes back to Saul. I feel like you started talking about this and then we changed directions. Um, but like when Saul saw Jesus or encountered Jesus on the road, it was just like a bright light. It wasn't mm-hmm. even his physical yeah. body with the holes in his hands and, and the wound in his side. Um, the body that, that Saul physically encountered was um, the body of Christ, which is the church through the person of Ananias. And so when Jesus says, follow me, we are looking maybe for for a body to follow and we are we are the body we're the body of christ we're the church on earth today and like together we get to figure this holy spirit leading out and yeah do experiments see how we might try new things some things will work some things won't Mm -hmm. we'll just learn as we go (laughs) make it up as we go and learn successes and the failures trust the holy spirit's with us and maybe start eating fish for breakfast. I mean, I <laughs> haven't done much of that in my life. I, that, I'm not going to lie. It seems weird. 
<laughs> just gonna say it. I don't know if I could do it. Mm-hmm. Smoked uh, salmon, maybe. Smoked salmon. That's some mm. good. Stuff. Oh yeah, Hot scrambled eggs. Mm. All right, now I want some of that. Okay. <laughs> we may be off track. <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> well, anyways, well, any um, any closing thoughts here, folks, for May first, twenty twenty two. Oh yeah! Happy Easter. Happy yeah. Happy Easter. Third Sunday. Maybe it won't snow this week. That'd be great. That would be awesome. So, well, anyways, well, thanks everyone for joining us today uh, for our Wandering in the Word for Pastor Brandy, Melissa, and myself. We'll talk to you again real soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.